The Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the 10th verse of chapter 15. Listen to the word of God. Then Jesus called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In order to understand the scripture this morning and to move into the future, we must look at the past in order to live in the present. Now, the Pharisees were constantly trying to test Jesus with their scribal and pharisaical ritual and ceremonial religion. And they wanted to see that Jesus was not the Son of God, that he was not the Messiah, but Jesus' word always prevailed. Even when they asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus turns the table and responds, well, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your own tradition? I do believe I've washed my hands more in these past six months than I have my entire life, especially with hand sanitizer. No matter where we go now, whether it's a doctor's office, uh, the gas station, the, our church, there are masks and there's hand sanitizer and wash your hands. I was recently in Lowe's picking up some items because I'm rescreening my back porch at the house. And when I gathered my material, I realized that I needed to go powder my nose. So I pushed my buggy up to the restroom, walked in, powdered my nose, went to the, the sink. And in Lowe's, if you've ever been there, it spreads out real long with about six faucets and they're automatic. So all you have to do is literally hold your hands for the soap underneath and then wash your hands under the water and then you blow dry them. And so I'm sitting there and I'm washing my hands as I always do and I sing the doxology because it says that if you sing the doxology, it takes that long to clean your hands. And when I got almost to the end, there was another gentleman who, was, who walked up and started washing his hands as well. And he looked over at me and he said, hmm, he could hear me. He said, I, he said sir, he said, I heard you. He said, uh, doxology. I said, yeah. I said, that's right. I said, uh, what do you do? He said, I'm still with the happy birthday song. So we all have our rituals in cleaning our hands, 
But Jesus begins this particular lesson, this gospel lesson today that he has for us by saying, listen and understand. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out. Probably one of my closest and dearest friends is Dr. Derek McAleer. He's Director of Administrative Services here in Macon for our United Methodist Church in South Georgia. We were seminary roommates uh, for our D-Men program, and we've been together for almost 40 years. Uh, we worked together as colleagues over at the United Methodist Children's Home, which we so dearly loved and being a part of that ministry. But we're like Mutt and Jeff. We are like an old married couple and we would fight and get into it. But at the end of the day, we always were good friends and we would shake and that we would move on. So I got to doing a little ritual with Derek. At the beginning of any meeting that I felt like was going to be just a little bit con contentious, I would look at him and I'd say, Derek, I'm sorry. I forgive you. I love you. And then he would laugh and he would respond with the same ritual. Well, Rick, I'm already sorry. <laughs> I forgive you and I love you. Because you see, a kind word is generated out of the goodness of your heart. Earlier in this same gospel, Jesus finds himself facing off with the Pharisees and responds to their attack in the 12th chapter, verse 34, he begins... A tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Now Jesus is responding to him again, again and again. This was a constant dialogue between the two of them. And then Jesus said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man or person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that people will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. For by your words, you'll be acquitted. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I realize that the more I'm into the Bible, the more the Bible's into me. And if the Bible is more into me, then when I speak, I'm going to speak words that I have read, that I have ingested into my soul. I send out a devotion every morning and have so for probably over the past 10 years. And during this 10-year period, my the men that I started with men because I wanted to do a men's group, um, it, it went from about 8 to 10 to 20 to 50 to 100. And now every morning I send out a devotion between 5, 5.30 and 6, pretty much every morning to over 200 men and now women. Because you see, the women would sit and watch or see the text that their husband would receive and they would say, oh, I, I want to receive that text. And so they'd call me and I'd say, no, this is just a men's thing, a men's thing. And, and I'm just sending it to men. I don't need to be texting your wife. I don't think that's right. And they said, yeah. I said, why don't you take the text and copy it and you send it to your wife? And they said, no, they really want it to come from you, Daddy Rick. 
So now I've included their wives on this text. And so now I'm sending out these texts. And it takes about 30 minutes to find the right words, the scripture. Sometimes I borrow from other people, sometimes from other devotions. But to text that many people takes a long time. One morning I was sitting there on my phone and I was going back and forth and copying and pasting and copying and pasting. And I thought to myself, is this really making a difference? Does it really matter that I'm up at five o'clock in the morning sending out this devotion? I was, I was, as I was saying that, sometimes I wonder, one of my physician friends, he sent me a text. I mean, like that day, he sent me a text. He said, just wanted you to know again how much your daily devotions mean to me. I often have the circulator nurse in the OR read it to everyone. Power we depend on in the OR. Thank you. A kind word, a word of encouragement goes a long way. What kind of words are coming out of your mouth today? I was walking from Mulberry's, Michael's on Mulberry, back to Mulberry's parking lot. I had had lunch with a dear friend of mine, Lonnie Bivens. This was several years ago. We came out of the restaurant. Our bellies were full. We were happy and laughing. And as we walked across the little area of the park on the side of the Grand Opera House, I heard a man say, Hey, mister! I knew what he wanted, but I ignored him. I kept on walking. Because you see, the people who had gathered in this little park area were, many of them were recipients of Mulberry's outreach through this church's generosity. You're feeding people. You're communicating not with words, but with action and with food, with physical food. So they're fed physically with the food and spiritually with the food. But this gentleman had missed out on his lunch. I kept walking. He said, hey, mister. And I turned and I said, yes, what? And he said, I'm hungry. And I responded, I'm Rick. Now, if you could see the look in his eyes at my response, it was not good. And immediately I knew my word was not kind and gentle. So I threw Lonnie the keys to my truck and I said, meet me on the corner of Cotton and 2nd Street at the New Way. And I said, I'm going to go take this man and we're going to get him something to eat. So I walked over to him and I said, I said, my name's Rick. And I said, I want to apologize for being ugly to you. I said, what's your name? He said, Charles. He was real bitter, not happy at all. I said, are you hungry? And he used a word that is in the Bible, but I will not put it in the context of which he said it with. He said, and said the word, he said, I told you I was hungry. I said, well, today is your lucky day. I said, walk with me. So as we started to walk, I shared with him, my name's Rick. And I said, you're Charles. I said, I said, just want to ask you a question. Uh, do you believe in God? And he looked at me and he said, what are you, some kind of preacher or something? And I responded and said, yes, I'm a something and a preacher. And he chuckled a little bit. And I said, well, do you believe in God? And he said, God hasn't done a blankety-blank thing for me. And it hurt me hard because his words came from his heart 
that apparently he had had a hard life. And I said, well, we're going to change that today, Charles. As we continued to walk, we walked into the New Way, which is one of my favorite places. It's not there anymore. But let me tell you, Jim Cacavius and Spiro Damatis are two wonderful men through their generosity have helped at the Methodist Children's Home and helped this whole community. So I frequent the place quite a bit, or did then. And when I walked in and everybody turns, especially the, the people who are working behind the counter, if they can say your name, you know you've been in there too much. They said, well, hey, Daddy Rick, how are you doing? I said, hey, Miss Mary. I said, how are you doing? And I walked in with my new friend, Charles, and I sat him down there at the counter. Any of you have been to, to the new way here. It will rival the varsity any day. And as I was sitting there, I said, now, Miss Mary, I said, here's a $20 bill. I said, please give this gentleman anything he wants. And I said, if, if you need more money, I said, you know my number. Just, just call Jim or Spiro, and I'll come down, and I'll make up for it. And she put her hands on her hips and she looked at me and then she looked back at him because she obviously, she knew who he was. And she looked back at me and she says, do you know who he is? With a real stern look and her finger shaking at him. And I knew that this was a God moment. And I paused and I said, Lord, put your kind word on my heart. And I looked back at Miss Mary and I said, yes, ma'am. This is a child of God. You see, it's not what goes in our mouths that defiles us, but it what comes out that makes us ugly. Apparently, this man realized that his life was changed, not because of me, but because of a kind word. Where will you be using kind words in your life? What an incredible time God has given to us to spend time in his word. Think about this now. So if we're going to put better words in us, we can feed on his word. Remember, the more I'm into the Bible, the more the Bible is into me and the kind of words that will come out. To be fed by God's word so that we speak, we speak in love and understanding. There's a prayer of St. Francis that goes like this. Grant that I may not seek to understand as to, under, to be understood. Seek to understand in order to be understood. Seek to understand in order to be understood. I, I don't even know how many weddings I do or I've done in my time as a United Methodist clergy, which I've been a minister now for about 40 years. But the words that a husband and wife shares at the altar are powerful, powerful words of love and kindness. When each turn to the other and say these words, I take thee to be my wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part. According to God's holy ordinance and thereto, I pledge thee my faith. And everybody cries at the wedding and they kiss and everybody's celebrating this wonderful marriage. They go on the honeymoon and no sooner than an hour has passed and it's usually the husband who says some words that comes out of his heart that are not very good. Are you with me, people? It takes five good words to undo 
one bad word. What are your words today? Are they kind? Are they gentle? Are they harsh? Are they bitter? I was appointed several years ago to sit near United Methodist Church. This is a downtown inner city church here in Macon, Georgia, right across from a local Baptist trade school called Mercy University. And when I was appointed there, uh, the sanctuary that first morning, I think we had a grand total of about 50 people. And of course, the church, if you know the church, it's one of the sister churches from Mulberry. Mulberry gave birth to Centenary. And at one time, it had 600 people strong in attendance in that church with a balcony full of people. And so I went to work. And the worship leader called me one Sunday and said, "Um, let me tell you what you need to be doing here, preacher. And I was all of maybe 30 years old. Same age as uh, your Reverend Trevor Ward is here at Mulberry now. I said, she said, I'm going to tell you what your job is. I said, well, tell me, Miss Margaret, what's my job? She said, you need to start getting some of the young people in this church with children. And I said, no, ma'am. I said, that's, that's not what I'm going to be doing right now. She said, pray tell, what will you be doing? I said, well, right now I'm going out and visiting all the shut-ins. She said, well, that's well and good. And I said, no, I'm visiting the shut-ins. And I said, um, I'm also taking them communion. She said, well, that's well and good. And I said, but you don't understand. I'm going to them because it's their blood, sweat, and tears that built this church. They built the foundation of this church. And it's my job to go and give them the very best. She said, okay, well, that's real good. She said, well, did you go see Tiny Bell Norris? And I said, no, ma'am. I said, uh, she's not on the shut-in list. I, I don't know her. She's not a member of the church. And she said, she's a constituent member. Now, for those of you older Methodists will know that a constituent member is someone who might be a member of another denomination, but they visit regularly at our church. But Miss Tiny Bell had never transferred her membership to Centenary. And I said, I said, she said, well, you need to go see her. And I said, okay. I said, I'll go see her. And she chuckled a little bit. She said, I'll just let you know something. She's the meanest lady in the church. And I said, Miss Margaret, I said, there are no mean ladies in the church, just like here at Mulberry. There are no mean ladies. There are no people here, right? So I went to see Miss Tiny Bell. I knocked on her door. She didn't come. I knocked again. She didn't come. I knocked again. She didn't come. I knew she was there. You know, I don't know what it is about shut-ins. You know, they say that they're shut-ins, yet they go to the grocery store, they get their hair done, and, and, but they can't come to church. Well, she wasn't coming to the door. So the next day, I pulled a Jehovah's Witness on her. I took both my little girls. My one then was four years old and six years old, Joanna and Sarah Beth. I went up, I knocked on the door, and she peeked out with the blinds, and I waved at her like this, and she shut the blinds. I knocked again. She opened the door. She said, just who are you? And she took her finger, and she wrung it out there like this. And I said, well, Miss Tiny Bell, she said, my name is Mrs. Norris. I said, well, Mrs. Norris, my name is Rick Lanford, and I'm the new pastor here at Centenary United Methodist Church, and I just wanted to come visit with you and bring you communion. She said, I'll tell you one thing, you little whippersnapper. She said, you are not my pastor. Dr. Jesse Waller is my pastor. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, Dr. Waller is the retired associate pastor. And I said, and I'm the senior pastor here at Centenary. 
She said, no, you are not. He's the senior pastor. Do you understand me? I said, yes, ma'am, and I'm his associate, and she sent me out here to visit with you. She said, whatever. And I said, well, may we come in? She said, okay. So we came in. We walked into this room like a living room, and it was full of whatnots. Now, I don't know if you know what a whatnot is, but this these crystal figurines that are just beautiful. And she had, I bet, a hundred of them. And she had a bone porcelain camellia bloom on her, on her desk, her table, her, her uh, coffee table. And my little Sarah Beth walked over, picked it up, brought it over to me and said, breakable, daddy, breakable, because that's what we call, you know, whatnots. And oh my gosh, Miss Tiny Bell almost lost it. She snatched it out of her hand. She said, preacher, it's time for you to leave. And I said, well, Miss Tiny Bell, we'd like to pray first before we leave. She said, I'm not praying with you. And I said, okay, Miss Tiny Bell, I'll just let you know. We'll be praying for you. It was several months later that we found out that Mrs. Tiny Bell Norris was in the hospital. I went to see her. I would visit her on Mondays and Wednesdays. Dr. Waller would visit on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and our care group, shepherd group, would go on the weekends. And as we were going to see her, we realized that she had cancer, and it was not, not good at all. And I would go, and I would visit with her, and she would look at me, and she would say, why are you here? And many times I'd go, I don't know, Miss Norris. I said, maybe it's because I'm the preacher, and this is what I get paid to do. And she would just turn her head. One day, one afternoon, I went in on Wednesday afternoon, and she was asleep, and I thought, yes. And I took my card, and I wrote a little note on it, and I laid it down on the table. I know you preachers have never done this before. Wrote it down, wrote it on the table, but my favorite show was on. The Andy Griffith Show. I love Andy Griffith, especially at the very end when Opie looks at his daddy and says, Paul, how come? That's the moral of the lesson. And so I was sitting there and I was watching the Andy Griffith show. I'd, I was on that big sofa that is it's, it's too big for one person, but it's big enough not to sleep on, but it's uncomfortable that makes you leave. But anyway, I had my leg propped up over the, the arm of that little sofa, that two-person seat. And as I was watching the show, I heard her say, Preacher! It sounded like nails going across a blackboard. And I looked at her because it was right in the middle of the show. It was right at the moral where Opie had looked at his daddy. And I was about to watch it. And I turned back and I said, what? She said, are you going to even speak to me? And I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm not. I said, I've had a belly full of you. And I said, and I'll tell you one thing, too. You're about the meanest lady I have ever met in my life. A tear came out of her eye. And I felt horrible. I got off the sofa and I walked over to her. And I said, Miss Norris, she said, please call me Tiny Bell. I said, Miss Tiny Bell, I said, I want to apologize to you. I said, I should have never said those words. And she looked up at me and she said, no, Rick, she said, I am a mean lady. I've been mean all my life. And then there was a long pause and I just stood there by her side and she reached out with her hand. She said, would you, would you hold my hand? I said, yes, ma'am. I'm thinking, wow, something's about to really happen here. So I reached over and I held her hand. And she said, I just want to tell you something. You're about the only friend I have in this whole world. And then I started to cry. 
I said, Miss Tiny Bell, I said, I appreciate that, but I'm not a good friend. But I want to be. But let me tell you about my friend. His name is Jesus. And on a Wednesday afternoon, with the Andy Griffith show going, she recommitted her life to Christ. And the words changed from being hard and angst to kind and gentle. Several months followed, and I had the privilege to conduct her funeral. And it was my honor, my privilege, to celebrate her homecoming. Because people, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles the person. It's what comes out. Five kind words. That's what it takes for one bad word. As we ponder the scripture this week, it's my fervent prayer that you will spend time in God's word so that what you will be feeding your soul will be his love, his grace. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Look at me now to receive this prayer. May your words be kind and gentle. May your thoughts be that from above. And may your actions prove God's love to all people. For it's in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.